0: Michael this is all very confusing
1: we've all done it at some point it's the reason people follow trends in fashion even though they've never been to a fashion show or read a fashion magazine it's the reason people vote even though they know nothing about politics or what a candidate even stands for more recently it explains the explosion of nfts meme stocks and both the meteoric rise and fall in crypto asset values it's called herd instinct which refers to a phenomenon where people join groups or follow the actions of others under the assumption that those other people know something that they don't. So this begs the question, is there a certain wisdom of the crowd? I'm Remy Bartolotta and this is On Markets presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today, I have Chief Investment Officer, Michael Sorrentino, and Senior Financial Advisor, Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions, comments, or just want a shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And if you like our show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So these days, I'm guessing that everyone in America has heard of the term herd immunity, but now we're throwing herd instincts out there. So Mike, this was an idea that you brought to the table. So why don't you start us off and tell our listeners where you got the idea for this topic?
0: So I've, uh, I've been traveling, and I, uh, I've been absent in the last couple of, uh, couple of podcasts, but, but you know, I want to listen to what you guys are talking about, so I you know, make sure that I can be conversing with our clients when they listen. And um, a couple of podcasts ago, you were talking about, uh, actually, I don't remember what the topic was, but, but the idea of point spreads in gambling came up. We talked about, and one of you guys mentioned how accurate the point spreads are. And, and I found myself wanting to jump into the conversation, right, as I was listening, um, because what I was thinking about was the fact that a point spread gets set by, you know, some expert, and then it gets adjusted based on the way people are placing their bets, right? So, you know, if the Giants are playing the Steelers, and the Steelers are favored by five, if everybody starts betting on the Steelers, then they're going to change that point spread. They're going to push the point spread up in order to encourage people to bet on the giants, and it's gonna change the spread, right? So what happens is that spread becomes very accurate by the end, usually, and it's not necessarily because of the guy that set the spread to begin with, it's the crowd that has driven it, right? And it made me start to think about the wisdom of the crowd and, you know, how does that work and how does that apply to investing and so forth. So I brought it up as an idea and then I, I I did a little bit of reading, and apparently the first documented case—I don't want to call it a case—but the first um, the first time this idea was documented was by a guy named Francis Galton, who, by the way, as a cool tie-in to our little podcast, is a cousin of Charles Darwin. In case you didn't know that,
1: learn something new on this podcast every
0: day. I know, right? So so Francis Galton was at a a livestock fair. This is like in 1902 or something like 100 and some odd years ago, and there was a contest. Uh, to guess the weight of an ox. And it turns out that the ox weighed 1,198 pounds. And somehow he got this idea that he wanted to do a little bit of research on this, and he got access to all of the guesses. And the median guess was 1,208 pounds. It was less than 1% off. Now that's the median guess, right? So there's just as many guesses over as there were under. So I guess it's Impressive, but not all that surprising that half the crowd would go over and half the crowd would go under. But then he took the average of all the guesses, and the average of all the guesses was 1,197 pounds. It was one pound off. So, you know, what is that phenomenon? And does that apply to investing, or could it apply to investing? So, you know, what do you think?
2: I think in some situations it can. Yeah. I mean, we run an investment strategy here that effectively tries to do the same thing. Uh, We basically try to reverse engineer expectations for an asset class over time. So if you think about where all the money is being invested across every asset class, every geography, whatever it might be, if you're able to pull out the expectations for that asset class, that's theoretically a very well-informed number because it's all the institutions, all the professional investors out there all of their research and time and energy that they put into figuring out what that asset class or investment might do, if you're able to pull that expectation out, that's a very, very well-informed number. So I think in some instances, the wisdom of crowds makes a lot of sense when the number is quantitative or when the the outcome is in some ways binary. It doesn't always work, as we all know. Uh, There are a lot of lemmings in this world. I know you're Mike, you're a big trivia guy, right? So, you, yeah. you know, let's say you walk into a bar, it's trivia night, right? And, it's, and the room is packed with people, all right? Or the more people, the higher probability that somebody's always going to know the answer to some of those questions, or, or more people will know the answer to those questions. So, I think that there are instances where you can get a very well informed numbers or estimates or guesses, things of that nature, uh, by putting a lot of smart people in a room.
0: So, I really went down a rabbit hole when I was researching this. And one of the things they came across was, um, you guys remember that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, yeah. Right? So people would have to answer, you know, essentially trivia questions for more and more money. And they had lifelines, right? So if they got stumped, they could use a lifeline. And they had three lifelines. I don't remember what they all were. One eliminated certain answers. One was they could call a friend. And one was to ask the crowd. And statistically, the ask the crowd lifeline was the most accurate every time. It was accurate 95% of the time. But I think the difference with you know the wisdom of the crowd in a situation like that versus investing is that there's a definitive right answer, right? In what we do, there's no definitive right answer, right? So I think it's closer to what Remy was talking about. It's a herd mentality that drives the result rather than comes to the correct answer.
1: So what's interesting is at some point somebody has to realize that whatever the result is in many cases is not right. So, you know, in doing some research for this episode, you know, one of the things that I came up with is an article says, historically following the herd always works in the middle of a market rise or fall. However, crowd wisdom is always 100% wrong at the extremes, right? So when you start thinking about that, you know That sort of goes to what you're saying, Mike, is, is how much of this herd mentality is driving the result versus driving towards the correct answer? Right. And what happens if you get stuck at one side or the other? You're going to be in some real trouble.
0: Well, it turns out that there can be a, you know, a wise crowd and a stupid crowd, right? And what is the criteria to have a wise crowd? And you know somebody wrote a book on this a few years ago, and I, I read sort of like a little Cliff Notes thing on it. And the three characteristics that you have to have, we already talked about one, you have to have a well-defined answer right? So if you don't have a well-defined answer, it's hard to to have a wise crowd. You have to have diversity in the crowd, right? You have to have some people that are experts. You have some people that that know absolutely nothing. And for some reason, that diversity, you know, affects the end result. And probably the most important piece, this is where it crosses over from, you know, wise crowds to herd mentality, is people have to act independently. Because Everybody acts independently, but if it's a crowds together and some guy shouts out, yeah, I think this thing weighs 900 pounds, people are going to be influenced by that and they're going to skew that result because people, you know, when they're faced with a decision that they don't feel qualified to have an opinion on, they will go with someone else's opinion. So acting independently is huge. I honestly, I can't think of a a better representation of this
1: than uh, maybe in, I think it was in 2020 with uh with wall street bets and and uh GameStop. yeah and tino i know you've dug into this more than anybody
2: yeah well you could, you could extend that out to nfts i mean there are a lot of tulip bulbs over the last several years and it, it, actually that that reference actually ties into a lot of what we're talking about here you know charles mackay back in what was it 1840 or whatever it was wrote extraordinary popular dis- delusions and the madness of crowds it's the opposite of what we're talking about here the madness of crowds versus the wisdom of crowds and it, it, there, that book uh, chronicles a lot of these crazy economic bubbles that we've come across. Like when you call something a tulip bulb, I mean, tulips almost destroyed the Dutch economy back in, what was it, 1700 something? Uh, I mean, these flowers that last for like two weeks in a vase, they they literally almost destroyed the economy. The government had to step in and handle it because it, the same thing. It wasn't much different than what we saw with GameStop, it wasn't much different than what we saw with NFTs. The excitement that builds causes people to make very irrational decisions. It's not what Mike's talking about, where you there's a defined answer where you act independently. What's going on here is you get momentum around watching everybody else get rich or whatever it might be, and it causes uh, people to act irrationally. So there was a lot of that going on, and we're starting to see A lot of these bubbles being burst, a lot of these tulips are dying. I mean, you know, the the NFTs, I mean, we, Remy and, uh, you know, you and I talked about this extensively over the past several years about, to be blunt, the absurdity of it. Like, I, I, again, I just, I I still to this day can't understand what was going on. Uh, The funniest thing that I've seen lately was, remember, um, what's his name? Jack Dorsey sold his first tweet.
0: (laughs) I was just going to bring that up. They put it up for auction, right? Yeah, 2.9, right?
2: I don't know if he got 20 grand for it. I forgot what the number was, but it was really low.
0: No, the, the highest bid was like less than a thousand bucks. Less <laughs> than a thousand I don't, I don't know if he sold it.
2: But, but the funny thing is, it doesn't matter how smart you are. I mean, look, one of the um, uh, stories chronicled in, in the madness of crowds was the uh, South Sea bubble, the South Sea Trading Company. I think the name of the firm was Isaac Newton. All right, not a dumb guy. <laughs> all right, so Isaac Newton invested in this company, got in early, made a ton of money, got out, right? And then what happens? It kept going up. So what does he do? He goes back in, buys at the top, and it, he got wiped out. I mean, one of the smartest people in the, ever uh, lost his entire fortune or close to his entire fortune uh, because he couldn't control himself. So, that, I mean, this guy's a genius, and he, he still got sucked in.
1: So the question is, which do we subscribe to, the wisdom of the crowd or the madness of the crowd? Because I will say, I mean, we do talk about uh, straying from the herd quite a bit, Tino.
2: Yeah, that's the idea behind contrarian investing. I think that, you know, again, it depends on what you're trying to do. You know, when we're, let's say our investment team wants to invest in Australian bonds, all right, we don't know the first thing about Australian fixed income. Uh, We can get a lot of value after the wisdom of crowds, right? We can go in and get an idea of what the world expects that asset class to do, or at least some subset of that. That's helpful. A lot of times, the madness of crowds can be helpful too, because you want to stray from the herd. If everybody's doing something, generally speaking, the idea at some point is that the contrarian move is going to pay off. And there is a ton of science, a ton of data out there to show that contrarian investing is one of the best ways to generate wealth over time. The challenge with it is that it's not popular. Like you said, Mikey, you know, if, if you're wrong, or at least you know, well, let me rephrase, if you're early, it's even worse because the entire time you're thinking, man, maybe I'm missing something. It's not fun. So to some extent, I've got to
1: think it's A little bit more about timing than anything, right? And let's use Bitcoin as a good example. Right. I purchased Bitcoin, geez, I don't know, maybe five years ago for at the time maybe it was about 15 grand a coin. Right. I watched it go up to about $70, $75 a coin. And now it's back down to I don't know what was it this morning, Tino. Do you know maybe $20, $21 a coin, something like that. Right. So depending on when I buy and when I sell, I could argue either side of this. Of this argument right i I could i could argue the wisdom of the crowd hey i bought it at uh you know at 15 if i had sold it at 70 you know i i could argue that side but had i bought it at uh you know 50 or 55 or 60 and i'm selling it today i'm sort of arguing the other side of this so to some extent the argument is sort of manipulated by timing
0: well, the other part. I, I, listen, I think it's the herd mentality when it comes to investing. I, I don't think there is such a thing as a wise crowd, right? Because there's no right answer. It's missing that third piece of the criteria, and you know things like Roundup, you know the weed killer stuff that you know every, that no one will use now. If you look at the research, there's nothing in Roundup that is dangerous. Somehow, it that story got out. And it created this cascade of information that created this popular opinion. And now, you know, no one wants to use, oh, God, Roundup. No, you can't use Roundup. But, I mean, this poor company got, you know, really hurt because of this. But if you look it up, if you research it, whatever that chemical is that's in there, it was not proven to be, you know, to be harmful. Uh, or there's even any evidence that it's harmful. It's like somebody made some comment somewhere and it created this information cascade that created this herd mentality. And, and I think that is really what happens in investing far more than the, than the wise crowd thing.
1: But I feel like there's a million examples of these situations where uh, you know, sort of the, the herd mentality sets in and what the truth is is irrelevant, right? And that becomes really dangerous, in my opinion, when we're talking about investing.
2: I've worked in uh, you know, both on the retail and the institutional side. And I'll tell you that on the institutional side of this business, a lot of active managers they watch very closely what retail investors do. When I say retail, I mean individual investors because it's a huge contraindicator. It's almost like whatever the retail investing crowd's doing, if you do the opposite of that, then you're probably going to make money at some point. So if you look at a lot of these factor models that these fancy investors run. Oftentimes you'll see a factors surrounding what retail investors are doing, where they invest in, where the flow's going. Are they buying, you know, if they're buying technology stocks, they're usually late to the party, so start selling technology or whatever it might be. So it is a very strong contraindicator. It's like this year, Mike, you know, at the beginning of the year, how many clients did you have that were worried about the bond market and rising interest rates in January versus let's say today? Not as many. You know, and then we're not ripping on, on investors. I mean, that's just how the, how the kind of the information flow works, right? I heard, you know, we were talking about the bond market, you know, eight or 10 months ago. And today, you know, there's a lot of the rest of the world that caught up, you know, and, and that's kind of how it works sometimes. So for our listeners, you know, who are wondering, well, you know, what should I do? You know, is there really sort of a
1: wisdom here? Or, you know, is there a madness? You know, I think there's sort of a couple of different ways you can approach things like herd mentality, right? You can approach it in a way where you can sort of, uh, in a very disciplined manner, you can try to ride the wave, right? I mean, there are certainly an argument to be made for sort of just like what day traders do and what professional gamblers do for that matter, right? Is you sort of go into a trade saying, okay, this is my my goal for the day, or this is my goal for the week, or this is my goal for the investment or trade in in general, right, and say, okay, I wanna make 10% of my money on this particular investment, so, I don't care what else happens. I'm going to ride this wave because I do see a wave getting up and I know I can sort of capture some sort of gain on this, right? But that requires a lot of discipline. Another approach, you can take the contrarian view, right? Where you can say, okay, well, I'm going to sort of wait this out until it looks like it's sort of reaching its peak and then sort of take the contrarian point of view and make the opposite move, right? That's a very valid strategy as well. Where would you guys head? What do you prefer?
0: You know, I think what you're talking about is really more similar to market timing, right? When you're sort of riding that wave. I mean, it's not about having a wise crowd. It's about taking advantage of a trend. I don't love that idea. Although I do feel that, you know, that fear of missing out when when something is skyrocketing and I'm irrationally and I'm taking advantage of it. I'm like everybody else. I feel like everybody's making money on NFTs. Why am I an idiot sitting here? You know, why are they making money? I can't figure it out. I'm not going to put my money into it because it doesn't make any sense. But I feel like I'm missing something because I'm not doing it. But I try to stay disciplined and, and not sort of fall victim to that. So your strategy is, is ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you had to put it in two words, that would be it. I mean, that's not a bad strategy.
1: <laughs> so as it relates to herd instinct, whether it's the wisdom of the crowd, or the madness of the crowd? What's the bottom line?
2: Well, look, I, I think it depends, right? I mean, what's your goal, right? If your goal is to get rich quick, then these trends probably matter. Uh, but if your goal over the long run is to you know, retire comfortably, or you know, if your goal is to get your kids through college or whatever it might be, then I think it's a little bit easier to ignore these trends. You know, I mean, uh, let's put it this way, back in the last two years, even if N- NFTs went through the roof, I never would've put one of my kid's college fund, right? I mean irrespective of FOMO or not. In terms of trying to avoid kind of this lemming mentality, I try to stick to my goals, and that, that discipline allows me to avoid a lot of these uh, crazy things that happen in markets. So Tino, I'm, I'm gonna actually take the last
1: word on this one. So we haven't uh, heard any good quotes from you in a while. I mean, you're usually the quote machine, but I haven't heard from you in, in a little bit. So I've got one for you in the episode, and this is a quote by uh, Baron Nathan Rothschild, very famous investor and politician. Who says you can have the top 20% and you can have the bottom 20%? I'll take the 80% in the middle. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. And past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or
2: sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned here.